the advice I would give is listen to your own voice. Be passionate about what you do. Have a commitment to mm. what you do. And stay with it. Don't listen to other people because people are not you. They're going to tell you a hundred different opinions. That doesn't really speak your voice. That's the end of a very inspiring interview with Canon Explorer of Light, Parish Kohanim. Now, to see how he got there, we're going to have to take you on a journey. And that is episode 71 of the Shutterbug Life podcast. Welcome to Shutterbug Life Podcast. If photography is not just something you do, but who you are, this is a place for you. In this podcast, we talk about everything you need to be, do, or have to reach your true potential. Let's celebrate the creative photographer's lifestyle with your host, my dad, Linford Morton. Hi, welcome again to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. This is your weekly photography lifestyle podcast where we all learn how to be better photographers. I'm your host, Lynn from Morton. Of course, you can call me Lynn. And this is episode 71. I'm excited. Today, we have an inspirational interview from Canon Explorer of Light, Parish Kohanim. Now, I love drawing inspiration from people and photographers, especially who are at the top of their game. There is a quote from, I forget who it was, that says, success leaves clues. And so if we can talk with people who have arrived, perhaps we can glean something that might be useful. I think this is going to be one of those interviews for you. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Now, of course, before we get into it, just really quickly, we are closing in on our photo tour in New Orleans. Remember, that's when we spend three days shooting the best of New Orleans, and you have just a wide range of different kinds of subject matter and and things to shoot. And if you want to get an idea of the kinds of photos you can take, go to phototourneworleans.com forward slash best, and you will see actual photographs taken by attendees in our April excursion. And it's a, during a uh, set to a cool video. So that is Photo Tour New Orleans, and it will be October 6 through 9 in the Big Easy. I hope you can come on out and join us. So, with that, let's get to Parish. <laughs> Okay, I have I'm with Parish Kohanim, and uh, right. you you can correct me, Parish. That's we're, correct. Okay. Okay, we're just gonna say we're just 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 go with Parish. He's one of the Canon Explorers of Light and uh, commercial and fine art photographer extraordinaire. Really does some amazing work. So I'm really excited that we get to talk with him today. Thank you, Parish. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So. You know, as I said before, I, I hit the record button. It's it's always great to talk with a, an accomplished photographer like yourself. And 
and I know with, with most of us, and, and especially the people at, at your level, the inclination is to be humble about what you've accomplished, but it, it really is extraordinary what you've done. So thank uh, you. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I think your military ranks not on, on the very top with me uh, because I think we don't do anything. We're not curing cancer or anything. We're just taking photographs and sharing it and hopefully bringing some inspiration and beauty to the world, you know, for each other. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for putting that in perspective. We're not curing cancer because a lot of times we like to think that, that it's really <laughs> serious. <laughs> so, and, and one of the, the objective ways of measuring your success, of course, is you are one of the Canon Explorers of Light, not more than about 50 of them, 55, I think, in the world today. And you are one of the first ones, correct? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so just tell me a little bit about who Parrish the Photographer is today, and then we'll go back and retrace how you got here. Well, first of all, uh, it's been a huge honor to be selected by Canon, to be one of their Canon explorers, because when you look at the roster of photographers they have, they're all really at, at the top of what they do, their specialties and so on. And my story began when I was really into, I was exploring nature with my parents a lot, you know, going outings and hikings and all that. And I was just so fascinated with mountains and, you know, nature and so on. So as a child, I said, well, you know, what's this a no-brainer? So I'm going to be a geologist. So that stuck with me. So <laughs> <laughs> until I started taking some courses in college, and I said, well, you know what? This is not really me, you know. And, you know, uh, the, the main catalyst uh, in, in the, the, the life-changing uh, part of my life were a couple Two teachers, my photography teacher, his name was Edward Schwinn, and there was an art teacher that really encouraged me to really pursue art and photography. And uh, when I took photography, it was love at first sight. It feels like it was just so comfortable. And there was something enigmatic about and a draw to that craft that I was just so drawn to. Um, so that's how I got started, and uh, I originally wanted to go to Art Center College of Design in California. I was living in San Francisco then. Mm-hmm. And um, and I did not have the money because I was putting myself through college, uh, waiting on tables at the five-star restaurant in San Francisco. And uh, so I opted to go to San Francisco State University, and they had a fine art photography, which really was nothing, you know, anything I did, they didn't like. <laughs> so, <it> was, <laughs> so I would, I would dread going to critique classes. Oh no. But anyway, so I majored in film and I said, okay, so I'm going to put this behind me. And then when I got my degree, I did some films and I said, wow, you know, I really like still photography because it's so much more intimate. You know, you, you don't need a crew of people to go out. You don't need a script person. You don't need, uh, you know, the sound man, so on and so forth. So, mm. so you could just pick up and do it. I think that's the luxury of photography. In the, you know, and simplicity. Yeah, simplicity, and you know, just and I, I, that intimacy really means a lot to me because you know, when in my fine art work, I'm doing a lot of florals and uh, beauties and uh, you know, figurative work, and it really is an intimate moment when I'm taking a photograph of a flower. I'm in a whole different universe of design, beauty, mm. uh, sometimes wrong. So I get lost in that, and I think that's a luxury that I cherish because 
we as human beings are incessant thinkers and our mind is so much noise in our heads hmm. and, technolo- and technology has amplified that, you know, that there's, mm-hmm. it's been amplified the noise in our heads and we're constantly thinking, we're constantly about irrelevant things, worrying about things that we have no control over. And so when I get in the creative process of doing something, especially for myself, I get lost, you know, and I just, there's, there's no thinking, there's just, you know, it seems like I'm just directed to do something, you know, mm-hmm. and I never look at the, des- the destination. I just enjoy the journey. You know? that, that, that's amazing. If, if we could pivot back just a little bit, because I'm, I'm really interested in you talked about when you were at film school, mm-hmm. how they hated everything you did. Which yeah. is which is interesting because a lot of times photographers will start out and get harsh critiques. So we interviewed um, a photographer a while back who was doing surrealistic work, and she went to a critique, but she was talk she was getting critiqued by photojournalists. She said they all hated my work, and I thought I was really awful. And it turns out that they just didn't understand what I was doing. What did you learn about those bad critiques in film school? And was was there anything there that that well, was helpful? Some of it, some of it was constructive, and some mm-hmm. of it was just didn't make sense to me. And I just learned to listen to my own voice. You know, because ah. not that I'm, but it's not a product of ego. You know, it's just like if you trust yourself, if you trust your intuition, uh, I think you can't go wrong. You know. So another story uh, when I was when I graduated from school, I wanted to go to New York and because I love fashion. Mm-hmm. I wanted to assist Richard Avedon. You know, it took weeks for me to get an appointment with his studio manager. And, you know, this is the, you know, the print book that I put together with love and care and so much, invested so much time and effort into it. And when I get to, uh, to my appointment, I wait for about 30 minutes and, you know, I realize it's busy. And so he comes over and, he is not present, you know, his, his, his mind is whole, he's physically present, but his mind is somewhere else. And right. going through the pages of my book, I mean, so fast, and I said, oh my God, well, he's not seeing anything. And uh-huh. he closes the book really hard, you know, you could hear the sound, and he said, if I were you, I would get out of photography. I don't think there's much future for you. Oh, no. Yeah, so I... And I was shocked, you know, I, I left with like a dog with a tail between the legs, you know, and I said, wow. So the next day I got up with a whole different attitude. I said, you know, this is just one person's opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is really trusting your intuition, you know, right. and I, I'm not saying I, I'm such an intuitive person, but I think if we, we often question our intuition, which is always right. Mm-hmm. And uh, you learn to trust it more. So the next day I said, well, you know, there's, there's so many other ways, so many other doors that I could knock on. So I worked with some other great photographers, and that was story. So, I mean, had I listened to that man, and I said, well, hell, you know, maybe he's right. So people right. tell you everything not to do it. I think your intuition is the most powerful voice that you could listen to. That's good stuff. That's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. So you started out, and you started what kind, when you started photography, what kind of work were you doing? Did you have a specialty or, yeah, or a was, niche at that point? Well, I, I, I always loved shooting fashion and beauty, and you know I, would, I had a two-bedroom apartment in San Francisco. I, I would get a seamless, and I had one strobe. And I started lighting and teaching myself how to light. You know? mm-hmm. and, then, 
and learning from nature because the nature has got the vast variety of lighting conditions or situations that I pay attention to even now. I mean, I'm always looking at a shaft of light coming through a window. And I'm always learning, you know, like, because nature is a, an incredible teacher. Can, can you so, expand on that just a little bit, Le Parish? Yeah. Like I, an example. But for an example, you know, that, that one morning I was sitting and having breakfast in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. And there was the, this light was pouring, sunlight was pouring and hitting the floor. Mm. And my cat was sitting next to me and it was illuminating his face. And I said, God, what a gorgeous light. <laughs> and we're conditioned to think, okay, eye level, a little bit higher above eye, you know, mm-hmm. uh, high. you set up your softbox or whatever is like. And that, I love that those two words, what if. And I said, what if I started doing my next uh, portrait, uh, the light from the bottom? And it was, it mm. was really a wonderful learning experience so this is i mean this is a lesson that i constantly learn from nature when i'm out there mm-hmm. always paying attention to it and you know i try to use the natural light as much as possible and of course when i don't have access to that on cloudy days i create my own mm-hmm. uh, inspired by nature right i love that i love that right. now you were saying that you started out being attracted to fashion and beauty mm-hmm. um so were you doing paid work then, or were well, you just... And I had to be pragmatic, you know, so I, <laughs> the, my, my uh, upstairs neighbor was an art director working in an advertising agency in San Francisco, yeah. and he would give me small projects to sh- shoot like a loaf of bread or some product, <laughs> and I would get like, you know, $150, $200, and that, I thought that was, wow, this is incredible, you know, yeah. like people trust me. And, uh, and I didn't have much, you know, as I said, I had one light and all that and very, not as much knowledge, you know, that I think you accumulate knowledge. So mm-hmm. I would do these projects and eventually, you know, give me ammunition to move to New York. And then, uh, then as I was doing commercial projects, I, I did still product, still life for, for many years. I did a lot of products for Coca-Cola, for Bacardi, for so on and so forth. And that, that was another, I think every, uh, aspect of our lives, every segment of our lives, there's a learning of the purpose. Mm-hmm. So when I was doing all this still life, I, was, I learned so much about lighting, you know, that, and I really, I'm not too technical about, you know, the ratios and all that. I don't, I, I still don't know what the one to two or two to one is. I just, <laughs> I just do it intuitively. If, 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 if I place a light next to a model or a product, if it's too hot, I just back it off or power it down. So that's, right. that, that's being intuition. Right. So, so you start uh, to feel then, it so at that point. So basically, I did yeah. a lot of product shots. And then, you know, as I was doing it, I was doing a lot of projects, assignments for myself, you know, involving models and using design. I mean, that's constantly doing something different. You know, I, w- I, never would, I would never repeat myself. Uh, because, and you know, it, you want to go back to your comfort zone. You do, you do a shot that is very pleasing. And then, you know, the, what did you do the next time you're setting up the shot? You want to do the same thing again. And again, your that voice inside your head, that intuition is said, no, 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 let's do something totally different. Mm-hmm. So from those, uh, experiments, I learned a lot. I still do a lot of them. I'm, I'm working on a, a body of work that I'm, I think it's the best work I've done in my whole career. I'm so excited about it. It's so different. The circuit, so I think circuit it's is a delay. progression. I'm sorry? The Cirque du Soleil one, right? No, this is even the, the newer than the Cirque du Soleil. Oh, so, okay. And, but, you know, the Cirque du Soleil was an amazing, amazing project to work with these people who are just beyond talented and beyond mm. committed to their craft, you know. 
Um, and we could talk about that uh, if yeah. you want a little bit more. You know? we'll, we'll get into that. Sure. So as we and, – and, yeah, I'm really excited. I want to hear more about your projects too. Right. But so, you know, you're there, your early career, and you're in San Francisco, and you're sort of, you know, getting work and, and doing it and really challenging yourself, and, and that's how you're growing. Uh, where was the big break for you, if there, were, if there was one? You know, I really don't know if there was a big break. I think it was gradual, you know, it's mm. just like accumulative, you know, I think... Uh, so, you know, I didn't get a client. So, okay, the, the, you're going to be our, our main photographer. We're going to give you thousands of dollars to do it that way. <laughs> and you know what? I, my focus has never been uh, on, okay, well, I'm going to do this experiment for myself, this project for myself. Then I would land up on this job, and I'm going to make X amount of dollars. You know, it was mm-hmm. just, I did it out of this drive to learn, to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, And then I think the money comes, uh, you know, eventually, you know, so... And I, I think, you know, the, the, I think um, wealth has been so misdefined. Hmm. Uh, I think uh, I feel so much richness, you know, capturing an image that gratifies me, you know, and I can share it with people. And when I go and talk and give lectures, people ask about it. And, you know, I could explain to them why and how I did it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just so really it's it's an eventual growth and as you keep your process of challenging yourself and taking on more and more challenging projects you eventually grow and then the word spreads how how do people find you Well I think word of mouth basically and you know the uh, and I years ago there were source books as you know like black book and all then I would put some right. of my work in there and I would get assignments and Uh-huh so, and again, I'm not, I don't spend a whole lot of time promoting myself. I don't have a rep or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I just, my main focus is just to some, do something that I've never done before. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that, that's what really draws me, you know, to do it. And I'm not saying don't promote yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some people have a better ability to promote themselves on social media than I have, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I'm not discouraging from doing that. I think it takes the commitment to your art first mm-hmm. and then promotion. Yeah. yeah, sure, sure, sure. When, when, when you think about the things you've created over the, the course of your career, what kinds of, of work are you most proud of or happiest when you are creating? I think, you know, the, I've been very lucky to work with some really great art directors and uh, designers, graphic designers, and some of the concepts that I was able to execute and see that, you know, produce their vision into, into film or to digital work. Uh, I, I think there's, there's many, many of them. You know, there's one project that I did for Product Troy and Gamble with an art director that just felt such an incredible connection with him. Uh, you know, and I think it's, it's wonderful that you feel that passion, you know, I mm-hmm. think it, it's, it's a very contagious phenomenal. You know, that if you are, uh, you come to the studio and you have got a positive attitude and like, you know, you get somebody who's excited about the, what they're doing. Uh, and I think it just builds up on itself. Right. So, um, yeah. so I, I don't think there's anything one specific. I think there's many, you know, that I <laughs> am, uh, really, I feel privileged that I was able to work on it and, you know, 
It's it's interesting because I, I know when you're shooting commercially, you have to shoot what the client wants, and when you're right. shooting your own work, if if I look at a, a number of your pictures and try to sort of say what's Parrish's style, it's sort of I know a, a good body of your work is that painterly effect. Is that sort of the style you you think you've cultivated for yourself, or well, was that a phase? Well, or? I have. I think there was you know I just go through stages of my my life. I think we. Don't do the same thing, you know. I think it's good to to mix, have a good mixture of things, you know. And I, I jokingly said I have attention deficit, but you know, why <laughs> not? Why not explore all the possibilities? Well, not all, a lot of the possibilities that you can explore. So that's why I do a, it's kind of a diverse kind of type of imagery. Mm-hmm. And those painterly uh, uh, photographs that I did, uh, I started them like about eight, nine years ago. And I'm still doing them because I I get commissions for them, oh, and wow. I enjoy them. But it was a phase of my life that I was just really, uh, you know, I can't paint or draw uh, <laughs> to save my life. <laughs> so thank God, through Photoshop and digital imaging, I I can accomplish that. You know, so I think it's so I think we put so much em- emphasis on tools. You know, like you did this through Photoshop. What did you use? And what is it? It's really the concept first and the execution. And the tool, it becomes really secondary. And I think your concept is the primary uh, focus that really connects with other, other people. You right. know, I'm talking about when I'm doing the fine art work, you know, I'm, I never consciously think, oh, how can I do this to create an impact? Or how can, so it, it's all just, as I said, it was in, it's like intuitive, you know, that you get into. Do you ever think about style, though? Like, you know, I know a lot of photographers fret about developing a personal style so that when right. someone looks at the work, they know it's theirs. Do you ever think about that kind of stuff? Not really. And, I, you know, I think there are, are life experiences and uh, visions. Uh, it sums up our what we see and what we do in life, you know, especially mm-hmm. in photography. I never looked at the style. That I, think, I think one of the reasons I'm enamored with flowers and nature because of my parents, because they exposed me to a lot of that, and mm-hmm. that resonated with me, and it still does, you know, because what can we human beings create that is more beautiful than nature? There's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, an accumulation of all those, all those experiences and those those, those places that you've been through, it really becomes a lump sum of what you do now as your career, you know, or your style. Mm-hmm. So I, I, to answer your question, I never consciously say, well, I really like to do this style of photography. I mean, I do look for a lot of inspiration. Like, you know, when I was doing those painterly portraits, I, I would look at a lot of, uh, you know, impressionistic painters. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I would look at the Rembrandt, Van Gogh, uh, well, Rembrandt was not impressionist, but you know, I would look at the whole gamut of photography to get inspiration from. You know, I would look at Vermeer's work and say, "God, this mm-hmm. guy is amazing," because he had <laughs> to have a photographic memory. Because when he's painting uh, a portrait, you know, the, the one the, the, the music lesson, for instance, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a shaft of light coming to the window, and there's a, the, the students at the piano, and then the teacher is standing there. He has to remember that. I mean, the next day the lighting is not the same, so I made right. it close. So, so. Uh, so I paid attention to how they perceived light, which they didn't have all the luxuries that we have, you know, that, mm-hmm. and we can capture it right away or we can produce our own lighting, you know, but they didn't have that, mm-hmm. but they still produce masterpieces. So, uh, and I really, that kind of painterly style really inspired me to do my work. Interesting. Now you talked about your, your photo projects and the, f- 
how, how do you choose a, a, a photo project? Are you talking Wait, pers- personal? Yeah, or, your uh, personal uh, photo projects. How do you find the next thing that inspires you? Because you've you found some interesting ones. Well, you know, what's interesting, I, 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 I don't mean to be arrogant and compare myself to Jackson Pollock. You know, you, <laughs> Jackson Pollock was a genius. You know, mm-hmm. he just sat there uh, for hours in front of a blank canvas, and all of a sudden he would burst into energy and start painting and, you know, create masterpieces. Not that I create any masterpieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's, you know, it's a cu- accumulation of the, a bunch of the inspirations that really propels me to do the next level or the next assignment for myself. So I look at a lot of inspiration and I see that. And I think that stays in the back of your mind. And then you come up with an idea. So, wow, okay, let's take it. You know, and it may not be exactly what you envision, but you just work at it and just direct it to it. And you build it up. And I use an analogy. Uh, uh, photography is very similar to cooking. You know, so, mm. And that's, this is the way I treat it. Because I like to cook. I start with the you know basic ingredients and I keep adding ingredients and I taste it and add more and then it's ready. So that's the way I approach photography. So I don't go with the I have a concept and I just build that concept from there. I'm not going to say, well, I want to put the light here, that's the light there. You know, I don't do a drawing of my lighting diagram because then I'm limiting myself of the possibilities. Right. So I just go there and start building it. You know, and I think there's something about that spontaneous uh, process that it really drives me. I like that. It's like the best chefs don't cook with recipes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting. So we touched on the Circus de Soleil. Are you finished with that project now? I am. I am. It it took about five years on and off because, you know, they're busy and I get, you know, know, involved in assignments. So it was a five-year effort uh, working with uh, Cirque du Soleil performers. And this project, we decided to do it outside the, the control of Guy La Liberté, who, who owned Cirque du Soleil at that, you know, until he sold it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this project, we decided to do it for the reason, one reason only, because Guy is very hands-on. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to do something that nobody's ever done before. So some of these shots, that, well, all of these shots that is going to be in the book, are very unique. Uh, they started with, uh, you know, stick drawings, uh, and then we talked about them and, you know, trying to match the, the shape of the stick to the real human form was a challenge for them. So it's something that they had never done in any circ. So there were no choreographers telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was exactly the situation that I'm experimenting for myself. They were experimenting to see, okay, how far can, they, can we push our abilities and our creativity? And often enough, I would hear, well, let's make it harder. You know, <laughs> not, not, not because it was, you know, they, they were, you know, glutton for punishment. They just wanted to make it better, you know, and I right. just really respected that. And, and there were such purists that, you know, that got, we would get these shots. And, and a lot of these shots, most of these shots are, they're running or flying over this globe, which is illuminated from within. Mm. And uh, so the, and I, my job is to freeze them in midair, and I have to be in total synchronicity with them. Of course, right. And uh, the shots are taken at one five thousandth of a second or one seventy five hundredth of a second. Wow! Yeah. And this is not this is not a shutter speed. This is the duration of the flash, which enables me to freeze them in midair. Gotcha. So if I'm pressing the the shutter uh, button, the split the, the fraction of a second too late, they're already on the floor. Mm. So that you know. Uh, 
And I learned, and I think one of the greatest things, you know, this was a great lesson. I think if we connect with humans uh, on one-on-one, we could accomplish great things. So I was in total synchronicity with them, and I rarely miss shots. I did miss shots, but, but, you know, it was rare. I think there, I talk about uh, passion, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. you have all the passion in the world, and then versus commitment. Mm. So if you don't have the commitment, you cannot carry out your passion. So these people had both. They had the passion and the enthusiasm, but their commitment was so commendable. It was beyond uh, a lot of humans that I've met. You know, they were just so (laughs) focused. And and they wanted to do something they'd never done before. And uh, from the vacuum of their minds, you know, what is greater than that to have an image in your mind and bring it to life? You know, Mm -hmm. and doing these impossible things. Uh, in front of the camera, not knowing, okay, well, you know, what the heck is that? No, so, we, so I, I shoot it tethered to my uh, MacBook Pro to a larger monitor, 30 mm-hmm. monitor. Okay, okay. And then we, we could see it right away. And I said, well, you know, my, I need to turn my hands. And I would, I would say, okay, when you're flying over the ball, remember to turn your hands so I can see your index finger more. And what you're doing that as you're flying over the ball, I want you to close your eyes. I mean, what a crazy <laughs> thing to ask him <laughs> And, and they did it. And they did it. You know, which Beautiful. is really, and they never said, well, you are out of your mind. You know, they never said that. <laughs> they just, and they would think for a second, and they tried to remember my comments, and they would deliver. And this was, was really remarkable about them. Wow. So they were, they were true artists, and, uh, you know, I was, that, that I in really, itself is I really feel honored that I had a chance to work with them on this project. How did that come to be? How did that project come to be? How, do, how did you select that? Well, uh, it was, you know, a, a coincidence. I, w- I went to a friend of mine. Uh, Richard McDonald is one of my best friends. He's a pretty well-known sculptor in, in California. And he's got galleries worldwide, you know. And uh, so uh, we were celebrating his 50th birthday. So I was, we went out to this restaurant, and I'm sitting next to this guy. He, said, he turns around to me and says, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a photographer. And I said, and you? He said, I'm with Cirque du Soleil. I said, wow, you know, I've seen almost every show because I'm addicted to Cirque du Soleil. I was then. <laughs> and uh, so he said, would you like to do a shoot together? Really? Said, Just like that? Yeah. I said, I would love to. So I flew him to my studio and then we did the session and we had such a blast, you know, and oh they said, goodness. no, this has got to keep going. You know, we got to make a book out of this. And then we, we kept going. He brought performance from all over the world. Uh, that he, they were partnering with, and we did different projects. And so every time we did something, it was totally different. And, you know, some of the shots, it would take them probably an hour of intensive effort mm. to accomplish. They never gave up. They they had a focus, they had a mission to accomplish, and they were stayed focused on that. And that was ad- admirable, you know, I think, in my point of view. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you said since then you've started a new project? Is that something you can talk about yet? Well, I think I want to surprise, you know, okay. I think I'm going to launch it uh, in a couple of weeks because oh, it's okay. really, a, you know, so it's something that uh, with patterns of uh, nature and the human form. And oh. so, uh, and I, I, you know, it's hard to describe it. I think it's just, I've never seen it. And that's what intrigues me. I just like to do things that I've never seen before. You know? Awesome. By the way, when does the the book, uh, Circus du Soleil book, come out? Well, it's a good question because it's been you know <laughs> I've been <laughs> postponing every year because Source you know spot. because of uh, we've shot so many images you know five mm-hmm. years well, I have over twenty five thousand images because wow. there, there was so many of them you know they would do for one pose we would 
take several hundred shots, you know. Mm. And so I, the the editing is uh, quite a, you know, a daunting job. And I mean, not that I would not enjoy it. There's a lot to go through, and but there's so many uh, similar shots that, you know, there's parties that was nice and it's not. So we have to select the right one. I always involve the Cirque du Soleil performers. I think, what are, these are my favorite sh- sh- shots. What do you think? Because they see the body position, the curvature of the foot mm-hmm. a lot better than I do. So right. they know all the technicalities of what what they're looking for as far as being dancers, performers, gymnasts. Uh, so I really listen to them, you know, mm-hmm. as, as I do when I shoot any project for myself or for clients. If my assistant said, Parrish, what do you think of, you know, moving the light here or coming this direction? I said, oh, sure. Well, why don't I look at it? Uh, and, you know, I think people have different perspective, you know, like, I think I, I love Dale Chihuly because he said, well, one of the reasons uh, they asked him, was, why don't you do your own work? You know, why don't you blow, blow glass? And a lot of people think he lost his eye because of blowing glass. He had a car accident that he lost one of his eyes. Oh. But he says, well, I'd rather direct it because I can have a 360 degree vision of this glass rather than from one point of view. Like, you mm. know, blowing glass from one. So he goes around and says, okay, let's do, okay, blow it a little bit slower. Is it cool? You know, so mm. he can direct them how to go. You know? mm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I, I, finally, the Canon Explorer of Light designation. Tell me about how that came to be. How did you, did Canon approach you? Is it something you applied yeah, for? I mean, how does that I, happen? Well, I was working late as I always do. <laughs> and, uh, so the phone rings about like 6.30 and there's a guy from Canada. I'd, I'd never heard of him. He said, oh, my name is so-and-so. Uh, and he said, uh, you know, he gave me a lot of compliments about my work. <laughs> and I said, well, thank you very much. And he said, uh, I'm just curious, what uh, camera do you shoot with? And at that point, I was shooting, of course, analog film. That was like 20... 94. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, so I was shooting film, and I said, well, I shoot 8x10 scenars, 4x5 scenars. I shoot medium format contacts, 645. He said, no, 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 I mean 35. And I would rarely shoot. I had a Nikon, a case of Nikon bodies and cases, of I mean, lenses, rather. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I mean 35. I said, I'm shooting Nikon. And I said, how would you like to shoot the Canon? And I said, well, I've never tried it. <laughs> so... Two days later, I get all these boxes. You know, oh, studio, really? But, you know, <laughs> and I started using it. Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, I think one of the greatest things this was meant to be, because I really believe in Canon's mission, because they're always producing incredible equipment, tools for us that make our job a lot easier and better. So I just purchased the 1DX uh, Mark II. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the most phenomenal cameras. And I compare it to some of my shots that I shot with 8x10. You know, it's like, so this is the, the genius of these engineers and there's mathematicians who are creating this, uh, you know, uh, uh, algorithms for us to, to process our images or the, the image processing chip in the camera or Adobe people who enable us to do some retouching and do, you know, image uh, uh, editing. So that's one of the things that I would never feel comfortable endorsing a company that I didn't feel really truly dedicated to and you know because 
I, I mean, I'm so transparent, people could see it in my face. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so now you're shooting, I think I saw with the 1DX and then the 5DS? 5DSR, yeah. 5DSR. Yeah. yeah, because the size of the files, you know, the, the, you know Huge. A, lot, a lot of my large format, which I used to shoot with medium format digital, and uh, so I, I haven't touched a medium format uh, digital camera in probably three years. Wow. Because Canon can deliver this incredible product. I mean, I, if somebody came 20 years ago telling me, well, this is going to be a digital technology revolution, mm-hmm. and you're going to see images better than 8x10, with a you know, dynamic, better dynamic range, mm-hmm. and Ansel Adams. I mean, can you imagine Ansel Adams if he was shooting <laughs> with a digital camera? And I would have never believed them. I said, wow, this is, you know, science fiction. But it's here. We're living in a science fiction era. Yeah, it's a great time to be a photographer. It is. It is a great time to be a photographer. And, you know, and I think it gives us the spontaneity. I remember the days that I, when I was shooting film, you know, whether it was for a client, we, had, we could have had like, uh, you know, seven or eight members of the board members of this company that I'm photographing. And I've got to check my lighting, which I've done it with my assistants and all that before. But then they, they come and change some things when we're shooting things. And so we're waiting for that Polaroid to peel. That one minute became mm-hmm. eternity. You know, mm-hmm. It really mm-hmm. became eternity. And then people were getting impatient, you know, because they've got <laughs> meetings to go to. So, I mean, as much as pre-setup I did to go to the situation, uh, you still had a little bit of work to do. But now, with the digital bags and digital, you know, tethering with the, uh, your laptop, it makes our life so much easier to mm-hmm. just decide instantaneously, okay, this is the direction we want to go. That creative flow has a much better flow than it did before. Right. It's yeah. not interrupted by waiting. Speaking right. of technology, I read that you were on the board with, I guess, when Apple was developing the Aperture software, you helped right. them create yeah. that? What's, yeah. what's that about? How, how does that... Well, they... I guess they, I met one of the Apple um, head of the engineers that they were developing uh, Aperture, and they sent me, you know, I said, well, we have a plan for you. They sent me this pamphlet, you know, by FedEx, and it was just like pages and pages of me signing my life away, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, we go to Cupertino with a lot of, you know, top photographers from Natural Geo uh, and, and other fields, you know. And it was really inspiring to be with these engineers who mm-hmm. are just listening to us with four ears, you know, all of them. Wow. And four eyes, you know, they're listening and watching. So what are you looking for? So what do you think? And the same, you know, the same happened with Canon when they chose me to be a print master. You know, we met with their uh, engineers from Japan. They were trying to do, develop these light format printers. And they were listening to everything. They showed us hundreds and hundreds of prints. Okay, compare it to this. What what is it about this one that you like? So they they were so specific on their mission, on their goal, because that, and I love their passion because they mm-hmm. wanted to give us a tool, a product that was absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. You know I, mean? I use all their printers, and uh, I am thrilled. I mean, uh, just to give you an example, I, one of my fine art nudes that I did years ago in the darkroom. I haven't been in the, in the dry, the wet darkroom for probably 15, 16 years. And so I did, I spent the whole day. That was a self-assigned project and I did it nude and it took me the whole entire day to, to print it. I must have printed about 50 prints and toned them. And when you tone selenium tone, you know, everything changes. There was one or two prints that I really liked. Mm-hmm. The rest of them are just okay. They're okay, but they're not good. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, 
years ago when when I was meeting with these engineers, I said, well, I hope I, I can get close to Darkroom Prince because it had so much uh, depth and dimension. Now we're way beyond that. I mean, and <laughs> the, the same same image, I digitized it, I scanned it, and uh, printed it in my white format. And I was, the, the first print that came out of the, the white format printer at Canada, it just blew me off my tracks. I said, God, look at the dynamic range, the tonality on this, mm-hmm. and the range was just phenomenal, you know. And so, you know, I think it's, we, we all get comfortable with the mindset and sometimes we resist the, the new, new ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's human habit or the ways, the, the thinking mode. But when you embrace that new idea, the surprises that comes with it, it's just remarkable. That's 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 great. Uh, <laughs> I can listen to this forever. Now, now, as, as we're just wrapping up, Paris, because I we do want to. Ever, Am uh, I talking too much? No, no, no. I, I'm, <laughs> no, no I'm just kidding. I, I, I'm trying to respect your time. <laughs> no, you have great questions. Thank so, you. Oh, yeah. well, thanks. So, so from where you are, if someone is starting out and they're thinking, you know, how do I get to where where Parrish is? What advice do you give to people starting out who? who would want to maybe accomplish even just a fraction of what you have? Well, no, I, uh, again, I, I really, um, I really honestly feel that I haven't accomplished a lot. There's a lot more I can accomplish and I hope I'm able to do it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, yeah. but the advice I would give is listen to your own voice, be passionate about what you do, have a commitment to mm-hmm. what you do and stay with it. Don't listen to other people because people are not you. They're going to tell you a hundred different opinions that doesn't really speak your voice. You know? So I think stay focused and do what do your own work. That, and yes. then be inspired. And then be, and I love this quote by Stephen Jobs. It said, the, the, what was it? Be, be something foolish. Be foolish. Be foolish, and, right. Yeah, be foolish. And, you know, experiment. Be a child, you know. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, so you do a shot that you don't like, you delete it. So, <laughs> and so, that's so easy to do these days. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yeah, and I think experimentation is everything, and you know, exploration is another vehicle to growth. And I think growth is everything, you know, in our mm-hmm. lives as, as 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 a human being, and as as our work career. Wow, amazing stuff! Thank you. Now you're in Atlanta, right? How, yes. Yeah. How did you end up there? Well, you know, I one of my early assignments brought me. I was living in New York, and uh, and one of my early assignments. Uh, brought me to Atlanta in the springtime and, you know, I, you know, my wife and I for years, I said, well, you know, we need to move to San Francisco, back to San Francisco. Right. And then, you know, the, the, when you come to Atlanta in the springtime, it's like botanical garden. And I think that's what really <laughs> appealed to me. It was beautiful. And it's a, it's a beautiful city. Now mm. it's, it's grown so much as six and a half million, but mm. there's still a lot of beauty in it. And the lifestyle is, is pretty, pretty good, you know, so it's, right. Uh, so I like the quality of life here, and then I travel a lot. So that's you know, it's it's a good home to be based from. You know, there you go. All those Delta miles, couldn't right. doubt. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Paris. It's my I, pleasure. I enjoyed talking to I, you. I so appreciate I hope, your time. Uh, and if you have any questions, anything you know, afterwards, don't please he- don't hesitate to call me. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Now,
I hope you enjoyed that interview with Parrish as much as, much as I did. I thought that was truly um, educational and inspiring. Before we go, I wanted to let you know that Parrish says his next workshop through Canon Live Learning is going to be November 11th through 13, and it's called The Secrets of Bringing a New Life to Your Photos in Beautiful and Historic Savannah. Now that sounds fun. Um, he also gives one-on-one or, or small group workshops. You can find him at parishkohanim.com, P-A-R-I-S-H-K-O-H-A-N-I-M. I've got the link on the show notes. Just go there and you'll have links to all of Parish's stuff. Plus you'll see some of his, his images so you can uh, get a, an idea of the kind of work he produces. All right. Wow. Thank you so much. Hey, before you go, remember, if you want to see if you're making one of the 12 mistakes most photographers make, just go to 12photomistakes.com. There is a free ebook and audiobook there for your download and then see how you measure up. That's it for this week. Uh, wow. This, this weekend, I'm in New York City doing a street photography workshop. Um, looking forward to seeing some of you out there as well. And remember, if you enjoy this, we do it every week. So if you're not subscribed already, go to shutterbuglife.com forward slash subscribe. I'll send you a reminder every week when we release a new episode. Or you can subscribe on iTunes. If you go to itunes.shutterbooklife.com, you can um, join in there as well. In between episodes, we are active in our Facebook community. Just go to fb.shutterbooklife.com. And we also share on Flickr. And if you happen to be in Washington, D.C. or New York, we have very active meetups. You're always welcome to come on out and shoot with us. Just like Richard, who came all the way from Australia <laughs> and joined us a couple of weeks ago. And, of course, T, who came in from San Diego and came out and joined us in a photo shoot as well. We're always you know, looking forward to meeting new people from, especially listeners so you know come on out and join us all right thanks so much you have a great weekend wherever you go whatever you do enjoy your shutterbook life take care <laughs>